Confessions of an Internet Marketer Self-defense, self-awareness, self-development. This is the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Hello and welcome to the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. The Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore is a production of philelmore.com and themartialist.net. I am the aforementioned Phil Elmore, your host. Let's see how many times I can say my name in the opening. Okay, for today's podcast, I thought we would talk about internet marketing as it uh, pertains to the self-defense world, self-defense products, and the things that you buy, both physical and informational. So there are physical products that you might buy, like a self-defense keychain or a knife or a coupon, that kind of thing. And then there are informational products that you might buy, which are anything from instructional videos to ebooks to physical books, any of the things that you buy as part of martial arts and self-defense and uh, anything even peripherally related to those topics. I should know because for more years than I can count, I have worked with a number of different internet marketers providing my writing services and various other technical services to their businesses. Recently, I had occasion to choose to move on from the one that I had been working with the longest uh, because it was, it was time. It was time to move on. Um, every client has a life cycle and some of those life cycles end of their own accord naturally. Some of them are forced to end because you end them. Uh, and this one, it was time. But as I was thinking about everything that I had accomplished in the last several years in working with that internet marketer, I got to thinking about how internet marketing itself has changed. And the not only has the market itself uh, been slowly evolving, the people in that market, they their tastes and how they consume the products that are offered to them, how they seek out the products that are offered to them, that has changed as well. Um, a lot is different now than it was at the start. Let's go back to the old model. What's the oldest model of email marketing? Um, even before there was email, there was mail order. Count Dante, John Keehan, arguably created the mail order martial arts market when he wrote World's Deadliest Fighting Secrets and then uh, started advertising it in the backs of comic books, reaching whatever audience was likely to want to buy a book on how to fight, how to be deadly. Um, when he did that, it was, it was sort of like opening the floodgates. And suddenly, mail order martial arts, mail order self-defense, and, and a variety of uh, adjacent topics, survival and uh, prepping, what we, what we now call prepping, but which back then was survivalism, and all of these related topics, sort of the action library. That was how Paladin Press built itself back in those days. Before anyone in mainstream society had heard of Paladin Press, Paladin Press was a mail order catalog. The catalog would come in the mail, you would see what you wanted in it, you would call a phone number, over the phone you would give someone your address and your credit card number, or you would send in, you could even mail in a check. You could mail in an order form back in those days. Um, but you would usually talk to an operator, give them a credit card, and tell them the, the codes for the products you wanted. They would put together your order and they would mail it to you before anyone was using the internet. Back in those days, it was very easy to set yourself up as an instructor. There was very little way of checking on you. There was very little way of looking into you. The, the sort of what I would call the proto-internet existed. 
back in those days, you could use Usenets, uh, Usenet. You could uh, go into news groups. There was ways to discuss topics online, but these were not accessible to the general public. You know, in college, before I did anything else, I had a, a Vax network on my college campus. We all had email before I even knew what it was. Like, I remember when I was a freshman, someone said, hey, did you check your email yet? And I said, my what now? And for about two weeks, I insisted on calling it electronic mail because I thought email sounded stupid. We see who won that battle. Um, and then uh, you could send an email to people at other colleges who had similar systems if you appended a very complicated text string to the email. And I remember I could even set up, whenever I logged into the computer system at school, it would check automatically to see if any of the people that I knew at other schools who had similar networks, if they were online. So in, on those rare occasions when the planets aligned, somebody that I knew at a different school might be on and I could chat with them in real time uh, in a text-based system. And there were text-based chatting uh, programs that would come along shortly thereafter. When I was a senior in college was when computers connected to the actual internet started to become a thing. Right after I graduated, I had dial-up AOL access that I got. That was my first exposure to using the internet. The very first thing I ever looked up was knives. So tells you tells you where my head's at. Um, in that time, this was the infancy of email. This was the, you know, when email was critical. And I remember right after school, my friends and I would stay in touch using email. Well, right in there somewhere, a variety of what would become known as internet marketers figured out that if they could email you offers for things, they could sell you stuff. And, and when this model of buying, when people became more comfortable with buying things online, um, and there was a sweet spot in there. Like initially, we were all afraid of it. We were all afraid to use our real names. We were all afraid to put our personal information in there for good reason. Somewhere in there, we got kind of callous to it. We got numb to it, and we became less afraid. And suddenly, buying things online became common. When buying things online became common, the internet marketers pounced. And back in those days, in the survival space, in the self-defense space, you could, however you got people onto your email list, however you obtained those names to start with, you could make a lot of money selling programs to people through email offers. Somewhere in there, the first affiliate offers were created. And that is, I have an email list, you have a product, I want to tell my list about your product, I use a special code, and I get a cut of the sales that I helped you make. So you get money, I get a cut of that money, everybody wins. You know, and the, the customer gets what they wanted too, theoretically. So it was very easy to make money in those days. And I know, I know a lot of internet marketers who really made their bones in that early stage of things. Um, and this was right on the heels of when personality marketing in the self-defense world was the model. What do I mean by that? I would create a videotape through a company like TRS Video, or I would create a video for Paladin Press, or I would write a book for Paladin Press. That would get my name out there to an audience that previously had never heard of me. I don't mean me personally, I mean me as some random self-defense personality. Uh, and I have to say that because I too have written books for Paladin Press, but it didn't work out that way. So uh, you, you get your name out there to an audience. All they know about you is what's in the book or the video. So like when I first heard of Sammy Franco was through his Paladin Press books. They were relatively impressive. When I first saw a video of Sammy Franco, that was the opposite of really impressive. 
But if you'd only ever read Sammy's books, you're like, oh, wow, this is a very effective and capable self-defense instructor, and uh, you know he's worth knowing about. And Paladin and companies like that did that for so many personalities in the early days. Mark McYoung, another great example of somebody whose name was made through his Paladin Press books and to a lesser extent his, his videos um, for companies like that. Uh, I don't know if he ever did videos for other companies, but you know he had v VHS videotapes floating around out there. Like so many of these personalities did. The model was selling the guy. The model was selling you a Mark McYoung or a Sammy Franco. It was, you want to consume the teachings of this specific teacher. That's what you're after. So you are essentially becoming a follower of that person, or sometimes to a lesser extent, that system. So if the system, sometimes it had a personality attached to it, sometimes it was as much the system as it was the guy. So like Rich Dimitri had a system that he was selling. Um, I'm trying to think of some other examples. Uh, Jerry Peterson and Scars. Jerry Peterson, it was less about Jerry than it was SCARS, the self-defense system. That's what you were buying into. Um, so that model has modified over the years, that it has changed. It is much harder to do personality marketing now because people are a little more cynical and a little less likely to buy into any one person. What they've seen in the age of the internet is that any one personality can be attacked, can be taken down. So it's almost like we're reluctant to throw our support behind a personality and then you know it's like we're getting taken down too if that personality gets taken down subsequently like oh I was a follower of let's say Mark McYoung but now Mark McYoung's getting made fun of online because now this is a thing that can happen you know these, these personalities are now accessible so I'm less likely to throw my support behind him because I don't want to get I don't want to be made fun of by association. Uh, and I actually saw this happen on Facebook just recently. Uh, author Larry Correa, who has a Second Amendment book coming out as of the publishing of this podcast. Um, Larry has a Second Amendment book coming out. He's quite knowledgeable about firearms. He got into an argument with Mark McYoung because McYoung is advocating for, at least in some circumstances, carrying without a chamber, without a chambered round. And Larry says, no, you're wrong. And they got into a huge drawn-out argument. And then Larry got into arguments with people who are supporters of Mark McYoung. Uh, and it was fascinating to watch this happen in real time. But it was also a great example of exactly what I'm talking about. Nobody wants to get made fun of. Like, the average person doesn't want to get made fun of by association. So they're less likely to throw their weight behind the personality. What they're more likely to do in today's marketed martial arts world, they're more likely to, to put their time and energy into consuming content. There is less of a personality link and more of a time spent in invested. Time spent invested, that's what we're measuring our following of a given source of teaching. So for example, uh, Scott Babb and Libre Fighting, when you purchase products from, from Libre, it's less about Scott and more about Libre itself. Uh, he makes a wide variety of materials available online. You can buy DVDs and stuff too, uh, books that he's written. But like, you could never pay for Libre and still get a lot of Libre instruction just on YouTube and on Instagram. It's a stream of content that you're consuming. So you're less invested in Scott the person, whom I quite like, and you're more invested as a modern day martial arts consumer in uh, what the, what the system is, what the, what the stream of information is 
that he offers. That's fascinating to me how that's changed. I see that, I see ads all the time for Luke Holloway. I don't know anything about Luke Holloway. I don't have an opinion about him because I don't know him and I don't know anything about him. But I see his ads on social media constantly, so clearly I must be in a demographic that his ads are designed to target. And what he is selling to me as an outsider who doesn't have an opinion about Luke himself, I'm not seeing a personality to follow, a personality to become a, an acolyte of. I'm seeing a stream of content that I could consume that is imparting to me information that I think I might want. This is important because it sort of dovetails with what social media has become in the modern era. Um, and I, I think not a lot of people understand this. Social media is, it started out as a way of just us connecting and doing social things, hence the name. It is now a big business whose purpose is demographics. Facebook collects your personal information for one reason only, and it's not because Zuckerberg wants to rule the world, although I'm sure he has pretensions to interfering in elections and whatnot uh, based on the way he spends money. Facebook collects your personal information to build a profile of you to more effectively sell you things. The whole point of Facebook is to say to advertisers who want to advertise on Facebook and who are selling the few products Facebook will actually approve because the company seems to exist primarily to tell you that you can't use its ad platform because they don't like what you sell. <laughs> he said with a note of bitterness in his voice, but provided you have that vanishingly small list of products they'll actually approve ads for, Facebook exists to create detailed profiles of its users so that you can more effectively target those audiences so that you can show them things they'll actually want. It does Facebook's uh, advertisers no good to sell me, let's say, feminine hygiene products. I'm not the buying market for that. So right off the bat, if they can segment male versus female users, right away there that's an advantage to the advertiser but it obviously becomes much more complicated they can they can tailor advertising to a much more detailed set of interests and things that i follow and things that i've clicked on in the past there's so many different ways to segment facebook advertising it's all to sell you things that's all it is it's no more sinister than to more effectively sell you stuff that you might actually want to show you the things that you'd be interested in so that then there's a greater chance you'll buy them so that my effort and my money in advertising to you is not wasted that's all it's straight capitalism people think you know if i'm if i've got a uh, an entry form and i'm like hey give me your email address and you'll get the results of this quiz or give me your email address and i'll send you this free report that's a very common one um people are like oh you're harvesting email addresses no, man, I'm not harvesting email addresses. I want to put you on a list so I can email you more offers that I think you might like based on your interest in this thing. No one is hurt. You get a few extra emails saying, hey, maybe you'd like this too. And as long as I'm a reputable seller, you have the opportunity to buy things you'd actually want. The average internet marketing model is, I send you an email. The email is designed to get your attention, make you want to click on it. You click on the thing, I send you, I, I, I pitch you something, either in the email or I get you to click on a link so that you see a pitch on a website. It could be a video, it could be a long form sales copy, really, really long form sales copy. That was commonly done in the industry. The whole point is to get you interested and then invested so that you think, hmm, maybe I do want to buy that. If you then decide you want to buy that thing, you click on it, you give me your payment information, but we're not done. 
Before you're done checking out, I show you what are called upsells. I show you more pages with different stuff that I think you might also want. Now, here you have to get a little careful. Sometimes people will try to put you in what are called forced continuity programs, which are like membership sites where there's recurring billing. Honest sellers won't do that to you. They know that the audience has come to hate that. This was much more commonly done before people were hip to it, but the audience, the market, quickly made it clear, we hate that, don't do it, we'll hate you forever if you try to pull that crap. Nastiest voicemail I ever left for anybody was when I found myself in a forced continuity program after testing an affiliate offer uh, for uh, an actual marketing list that I was working on, and there was no way to opt out of the offer unless I like called them or emailed them. I couldn't just click a button and opt out, and that made me so mad, I left the nastiest message for anyone I've ever left. Uh, and they quickly removed me and confirmed that they had removed me because I threatened them where it hurts, which is their credit card processor. I once bought into Milo, Milo Yiannopoulos' nonsense. Uh, initially, when he hit the market, I was kind of leery that he might have some skeletons in his closet, but I liked the fact that he made the left so angry. So I bought into his membership content website. And then almost immediately, they announced that there was going to be a big gap where he wasn't producing content. So I wrote that I'm like, hey, you know, I'd, I'd rather not wait. Uh, please give me a refund. I don't want my membership. And they said, oh, well, we told you there's going to be a gap. We'll extend your membership accordingly. And we went back and forth a couple times. And finally, I had to get nasty. I said, look, if you don't refund me right now, I'm going to your credit card processor. I'm going to, going to allege that you are defrauding me and that I want to do a chargeback. Now, it probably won't hurt you when one person does that, but if enough people do that, your credit card processor will drop you. And that is what all marketers fear because it is notoriously difficult to hang on to processors. If you get complaints, eventually the processor will drop you. Uh, and it doesn't take that many complaints for it to become a problem. So it's not easy making a living in internet marketing. And this, this brings me full circle to the way the model has changed used to be you'd send out emails, you'd get tremendous response for things like self-defense and uh, survival products. These are niches that are very closely related. A lot of internet marketers work in both. The audience has become much more savvy to when they're being marketed to. They're much more cynical. They've seen the offers. They know what these offers are like. They, they know what to expect. Maybe they've bought a few. Like I mentioned TRS Video. TRS is still around. They, they sell physical products for the most part, all kinds of cool knives and other things. And on the whole, I like the company. I like what they offer. I have several of their products that I bought as part of affiliate offers that I was testing to offer to other uh, email lists. Um, but they had to change with the times, just like everyone else in the industry has had to change. Because where once you could make a killing on an offer and just make gobs of money, you know, selling a, a, a some sort of ebook product, it's a lot harder now. The response is a lot lower, so you've got to get more creative. There's two approaches to an email list. Well, two major ones. There's other other ways to do things, but. There's the nurture your list and give them great value so they want to be on your list. Like, I want to subscribe to this list. That's, there's that approach. And then there's the approach where you just shotgun offers and you know that people are going to drop off because they're very aware that they're being marketed to, marketed at, uh, and they get tired of seeing the ads. Uh, and you use a lot of really clickbait headlines for that. Um, and so they'll drop off the list. And the way you make that work is you feed the beast. You're always doing lead generation to get more emails into the list to compensate for the ones that are falling off the list. So you've got that turn and burn approach, and then you've got the nurture and build trust and rapport with your audience approach. There's other ways of, of doing email lists, but those are the major ones. 
both have their advantages and both have their disadvantages. Um, especially when your audience becomes more savvy to being marketed to, it's harder to do the turn and burn approach than it is to just build a solid following and constantly give them value. But it takes a lot more time, energy, and effort to build that following and give them that value. Um, so, you know, anybody who thinks internet marketing is just a, a get rich quick scheme, um, it's not. You really have to bust your butt. Here's a great example. Um, affiliate offers. At the height of my internet marketing, I was writing about 300,000, I, I was emailing about 300,000 people every day because I was writing emails for three different clients for three different lists who were each sending out to about 100,000 people. That's an intimidating amount of emailing. Um, and one of the affiliate offers that murdered, it was amazing, was for the first time we ever sent an affiliate offer for this vented, very comfortable mask product during the height of the paranoia of the pandemic. When everyone wanted masks and masks were actually, quality masks were actually hard to come by. That offer just slayed and made thousands and thousands of affiliate dollars. And I, when, when you make thousands and thousands in affiliate profits, that means the actual seller is making that much more. You're getting a cut. They're getting uh, a lot more money, uh, depending on how they do the split. So I watched that offer dwindle, not just because the market was becoming saturated with masks that you could just buy in a store anywhere, but also because people had seen the offer before. They become what's called offer blind. Uh, you know, after you show it to them a few times, you've got to come up with something else. So uh, you constantly need to find new offers, new products. The need never ends. You reach a point of diminishing returns. Even your best-selling offers, after a while, everyone who needs to buy it has already bought it or who was inclined to buy it. I saw a funny video the other day. It was a, a, a fictional meeting at, you know, Apple Incorporated going, well, everyone who's already inclined to buy an iPhone has one. How do we sell more iPhones? And the evil executive is like, Simple, we break their phones. So a little, little close to the mark when it comes to older iPhones. But this is the problem when it comes to marketing. As internet marketing in the martial arts and self-defense and survival spaces has become more common, become a, a more uh, integral part of our lives on social media, you see ads all the time for stuff like that on social media, and then you see it in your email. As that's become more common, as audiences have become more uh, savvy to it, the efforts of the internet marketers to make money and sustain their businesses have to change, have to constantly evolve with it. And if they don't evolve, they fail. They fail and they go out of business. Um, it's really, it's led to some innovations that I don't like. Uh, one of those is the stealth ad. You'll see these all the time on sites like TikTok. That's where a lot of activity is right now, so it's, it's really hot right now because the eyeballs are on TikTok. They're fading from Facebook and Instagram, and we've seen Facebook, Instagram, and uh, YouTube try to compete with TikTok. YouTube has shorts, uh, Instagram has reels, and Facebook has integrated Instagram reels into your Facebook experience, and it's all an attempt to compete with the short attention span theater, the instant dopamine, instant gratification uh, market that is TikTok uh, for, for people who, you know, 60 seconds is about as long as they want to get invested and anything longer than that is an eternity. Well, because people are very conscious when they're being marketed to, I notice when you open TikTok, TikTok now you get an ad and you have to scroll past it, uh, which guarantees you'll see it at least a little. 
but they do these stealth ads where they do videos that are intended to look like any other video on the platform, but there's a subtle marketing hook in there. So for example, I saw a video, it almost fooled me. It was an elaborate video about a woman who was renovating a bedroom in her house because her sister was going to come live with her. And she was so excited about having her sister come live with her. And then at the very end, she mentioned putting out a gift basket of certain products so that her sister would feel more comfortable. And of course, it was the products in the gift basket that were being advertised by name, by brand. And I'm like, ooh, you almost got me. Almost. TikTok, incidentally, also puts out propaganda on behalf of the Chinese government where I have seen a number of videos where a guy's like, this is my luxury apartment and we all live like this and this is the standard of living we enjoy here in communist China. They don't say the communist part. Uh, and very clearly that's government propaganda intended to create a certain perception of what it's like to live there. There's these Chinese street fashion videos where incredibly beautiful people in elaborate costumes are walking down the street, always accompanied by the same music. It's really cool music. And that too is propaganda intended to show you what life is supposed to be like there, which it isn't. So uh, the, the end result of the evolution of internet marketing is that uh, it has become harder to know when you're being marketed to, and you've got to be increasingly on the alert for that, not because there's anything sinister about it. You know, they're just trying to sell you things, but uh, except in the case of the propaganda. But also, like, you can't make informed purchase decisions if you don't know you're being marketed to. I can recognize advertising even when I feel susceptible to it. I'm like, wow, this ad really makes me want this thing. I'm very aware that they're advertising to me, but I still want this thing. And that's okay. It's okay to know that you're being marketed to and still respond to the marketing. Um, but it's very important in today's day and age, and I say this as someone with now years and years of internet marketing experience, it's important that you be aware. You cannot afford to just sleepwalk through social media. Uh, you cannot afford to just sleepwalk through your email. Most of us aren't when it comes to email because we're used to it now. Most of us can recognize phishing. Most of us can recognize just out-and-out -out spam. Um, you don't, because of modern spam filtering, you no longer usually get the emails in your inbox where they're selling you misspelled Viagra or something like that, uh, you know, from some really dodgy Mexican pharmacy somewhere. Uh, but there are still spam ads that do make it through. There are a lot of marketing emails that internet marketers put out who are not spammers, they're just marketers. Uh, and there is a distinction. They're selling, they're, they're an honest business selling an honest product that you will get fulfilled if you buy. A big problem is a lot of their stuff will get spam filtered out, and so the emails that they're crafting and sending out to their list don't make it through, even though you want to be on their list, because you could unsubscribe. You're subscribed to their list, but the email doesn't always make it to your inbox. It ends up in your spam folder. Uh, and if you don't care enough to whitelist that sender, you'll never see those. So I subscribe to a number of different email lists that I originally subscribed to when I was doing email marketing pretty heavy just so I could see what was out there, what the approaches were, what was on the market, uh, you know, how people were segmenting their lists and how they were selling the products. Uh, and I'm still on those lists and every once in a while I'll be like, oh, I haven't seen one from so-and-so in a while and I'll look in the spam folder and see where those things ended up. And I didn't tell it that, it just, based on its algorithm and its heuristics, decided, no, no, that's spam, it goes here. So. We live in an increasingly technologically complex world, but at the same time, that world is increasingly better understood by us. Technology changes human beings. I mean, at one time, human beings slept for a while, then were up in the middle of the night for a few hours, and then went back to sleep. That was how people slept. 
Our sleeping patterns were changed by the advent of artificial lighting. Technology changed how we as a, as a species behave, which is fascinating to me. And in this case, technology is also on subtler levels, changing how we interact with it when it comes to buying things, when it comes to seeing ads and consuming products. Self-defense and the martial arts and survival, it's all related. It's an endeavor that you must have to survive life, but it's also a business, and that's the point of this podcast. Never forget that it's also a business. So the school that teaches you to defend yourself is also trying to keep its doors open, which is why reputable commercial schools have to charge for you to attend them. It's also why reputable commercial schools will institute basically glorified babysitting systems in the form of kids' classes because that helps keep the doors open. That doesn't mean that what they teach the adults is less effective. It just means that it's a commercial reality. You know, there are financial realities to running a business. Uh, when it comes to buying instruction, when it comes to buying uh, products, self-defense products, or anything related in the field, uh, survival products, whatever it is, there's always a marketing element. Its goal is to get you to choose that thing, that program, that product. So approach it with your eyes open. Know what's happening. Know that you are being marketed to, and then make an informed decision. At the end of the day, everyone in the industry is trying to sell you something, but that's not inherently bad. It just means that you get a product or service that you need or want, or both, and I make money and I keep my doors open and can keep offering those things. That's what internet marketing in this space is all about. And while it does get something of a bad rap and there are some bad apples out there, at the end of the day, it's a necessary part of the martial arts universe. All right, that's going to do it uh, for this episode of the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. I have been the aforementioned Phil Elmore. Until next time, tell them I said something cool here. This has been the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Visit us online at linktree slash philelmore. Phil Elmore, your host. Let's see how many times I can say my name in the opening. And now the dog is barking.